Thank you for listening to BLC's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by John Clinton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. I'd like to, to highlight the fact that we are meant to be a people of joy. And that God has put us in this amazing city called Joyburg. And the book of Acts tells us that he chooses our time and our place. And you're alive on purpose for a purpose. And God chose that you should be living in this amazing city now. We know that this is something of a prototype of a heavenly city. We know this because the book of Revelation tells us that we will walk on streets of gold. And about five kilometers under your feet right now is gold. So we're just five kilometers ahead of the game, but we're walking on gold. I'm just messing with you guys. Come on, man. But, but the point is, we're here in Johannesburg not just to survive, but we're here to thrive. God's called us, he's placed us, and this is a wonderful city, and it needs to be a city of joy. And, um, and what I want to do this morning is, is just help us get a, a, a better grasp on this whole aspect of joy, and that it comes from God, and is part of who he is, and he wants us to actually live in joy. Many of us we're exposed to a religious version of God. Not the God version of God, but a religious version of God. And a lot of us have, have this, uh, this default mindset that God is angry, he's in a bad mood, and that the most appropriate way for us to engage with God is in tears and with doom and gloom. And the, the best sort of facial expression when you're around sort of holy things is a kind of like a sour look on your face. <laughs> like you're really sad and you're very sorry. You're not sure what you're sorry for, but you just, that's what you do when you go to church. It's just like everybody, hmm. Yeah, and, and so I'm wanting to challenge that. For some of you, you've, you've heard this message before, and so you're okay with this, but I'm wanting to just take you a little bit further into joy because we want to be radical people. Is that okay? So I'm going to um, hopefully have an opportunity to whip through a number of scriptures because I want us to, to really get this anchored into our hearts and our minds so that we don't live guilty. Like, whew, I laughed in church, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, it, we, we want this to be the natural default response whenever we're around God and around his people. Okay, so we're in Isaiah 61. 
And as we've mentioned many times before, this is a key passage of Scripture that the Lord has given to us, and we want to continuously be mining the depths of the truths and the revelation that is contained in this passage. So Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Guys, we were singing this in worship this morning. The Holy Spirit is setting us up for for what we're doing here. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. And so they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. Hallelujah for all the foreigners that are making South Africa great. If you come from a different land, you weren't born in this nation, thank you for being here. Thank you for what you are doing to contribute to what God's plans and purposes are for this nation. And God has sent you here to strengthen us and build us up. Thank you for being here. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. So yeah, thank you for coming to make us rich. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting will be yours. Hallelujah. All right. And so two instances in this passage that that we look at here in Isaiah 61, dealing with this whole thing of joy. That will be the oil of joy. Other translations talk about gladness, all right? So there's this this outpouring of joy, and there's an everlasting aspect to this joy. Everlasting, eternal. Who is the eternal one? What kind of a joy is it? It's an everlasting, it's an eternal joy. There are clues in here to the fact that this is not just based on our circumstances. This is not, you know, things are going well, therefore I'm happy, I'm joyful. Got enough money in the bank, I still own my property. Health is okay, kids seem to be behaving themselves. My sports team is winning. I'm joyful. No, no. 
it's not based purely on our circumstances and how well things are going in the natural. We're actually wanting to transcend just the circumstances of life and we want to tap into an eternal everlasting joy, something that's coming out of the realm of the Spirit. We also recognize that oil in the Old Testament, very symbolic of anointing and of the work of the Spirit of God in and on our lives. And so it's an oil, there's an aspect of God intervention in putting joy all over us. So covered and smothered in this anointing of joy. Hallelujah. All right? So again, that's speaking to us that is not just based on our circumstances, but it's something that comes from God. In fact, it's a God-like quality or characteristic, this aspect of joy. Joy comes from God. It emanates from who He is. If we've been brought up with a a mindset that God is a very austere, distant, far off, and not easily amused. Now that's the queen. <laughs> we are not amused. That's the queen. That's not God. All right? And so we need to shift and change our mindsets to actually see what does the scripture say, who God is, and how we meant to live as his children. Right, Jonathan Edwards, who lived in the 1700s in the USA, was one of the, the preeminent leaders in terms of revival and uh, theology, philosophy, all these kinds of things. Um, you might have heard of a place called Princeton University. All right, so very influential was Jonathan Edwards in terms of shaping the nation. And one of his uh, writings was about the infinite happiness of God. Oh my goodness, wouldn't it have been better if we'd preached more sermons like this of the infinite happiness of God? And you just like that? He's infinitely happy. He's not just in a little bit, he's infinitely happy. So now God's internal glory is either in his understanding or in his will. The glory or the fullness of his understanding is his knowledge. The internal glory and the fullness of God having its special seat in his will is his holiness and happiness. Now, we've heard a lot about the holiness part. We haven't heard a lot about the happiness part. So Jonathan Edwards, he's basically saying, listen, the essence of who God is, it's both in his holiness and it's rooted in his happiness. Then he goes on to say, the whole of God's internal good or his glory is in these three things. Namely, his infinite knowledge, right? He's omniscient, he's all-knowing. His infinite knowledge, great. His infinite virtue or his holiness, God is holy, we're okay with that. Holy meaning totally other than separate from his creation in the sense of its wickedness, its fallenness, its depravity. He is other. My ways are not your ways. They're much higher than your ways. 
right? So that's what we mean by his holiness. He's just perfect, pure, other than the fallenness and what we understand on this planet. The third thing, and his infinite joy and happiness. Wow, he's saying the big three, God's knowledge, his holiness, and his happiness. Indeed, there are a great many attributes in God according to our way of conceiving them, but all may be reduced to these or to their degree, circumstances, and relations. In other words, happiness is a big deal. Joy, if you like, is a massive component of who God is and why he does the things that he does. Goodness, this would have saved the church a hang of a lot of all kinds of nonsense if this had been broadcast further. This is Jonathan Edwards in the 1700s. You heard of the Great Awakening. All right. This message was part of the Great Awakening. How on earth did we lose it? So what he's saying is that who God is is wrapped up in this thing of joy, gladness, happiness. So Jesus and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, were working together to make creation. And creation was an external expression of the internal glory. Are we okay with that? So God was complete in himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, complete unity, fellowship, but out of this thing of generosity, of sharing, God created, because God is not selfish. God didn't create man because he was lonely. You won't ever hear me say that at a funeral. God was lonely, so he needed to pluck you as a flower for his garden. What a terrible God. What a weak and insufficient and insecure God. No, no, no. Now let's not, in our, in our pain and our brokenness and our loss, put things onto God that are not his. Now he didn't create humanity because he was lonely. It's out of his goodness and his generosity and his love and his kindness and fellowship. Let's just spread this further. Right? But the point that I'm wanting to make here is that God created out of this place of joy, out of happiness and out of delight. And so in Proverbs 8, and it, the, the whole chapter there in, in Proverbs 8, it's speaking about wisdom and then it, trans, it transfers sort of halfway through the chapter and it begins to prophetically um, explain, reveal that Jesus is wisdom and he was with the Father during creation. All right? And elsewhere in the scriptures, it says that all things were made by him and through him, meaning Jesus. So you've got the Father, the creator, but Jesus was there. Jesus was the word. 
And in the beginning, God said, let there be. It's the Father and the Son together and the Spirit was hovering over the, the chaos of the deep and all these kinds of good things were taking place. So we see the Trinity involved in, in creation, but we see that Jesus was there at the very beginning and he was involved with creation. And so in Proverbs 8, verse 30 and 31, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. That's from the NIV, nearly infallible version. <laughs> the bottom translation is um, the Jewish Bible. I was with him as someone he could trust. For me, every day was pure delight. This is, this is wisdom, Jesus, speaking that there was delight as he was doing this. So the, the describing the verses leading up to this, all about creation and what was going on in the different days and so on. As I played, how about that? This is the Jewish Bible. As I played in his presence all the time, playing everywhere on his earth and delighting to be with humankind. This is Jesus and the Father filled with joy and delight and being playful as they created the universe. God wasn't sweating as he was making creation. He was playing. Come on, look at the animals. Some of them are the most playful things. You can see God's sense of humor. I mean, goodness, some of them, crazy. Just for fun. He made another species and he, he, all this variety I mean, you could have just made one kind of dog. There you go. Dog for you. What kind of dog have you? I've got a dog kind of a dog. No. Right? It's just all this variety, this playfulness, this, this extravagance, this delight. This is who God is. We, we, we see this coming from another angle in Job. And, and God is having, having this question, if you like, with, with Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Okay? Now, please, people. Please. It's a bit of satire, a bit of... Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Come, English people. Not rhetoric. Give me another word. Irony, a bit of irony, we're getting closer. Sarcasm, there you go. Okay? You've got to work in this church. You don't get everything for free. Um, so, so God is saying, all right, Job, you've had all these complaints, whatever, you and your, your mates sitting there and yep, 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 yep. He says, okay, so were you there at the beginning? Tell me. If you were there, tell me about it. It's satire. It's rhetorical. But irony, it's certainly not 
proof that you pre-existed as a spirit being before the creation of the world. Please. Please. Lots of popular books right now saying that we pre-existed before the creation of the planet. No, no, no. You won't find that on the scroll either. Enough said. So were you there? On what were its footing set or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. This whole passage is about creation. There's so much joy. There's so much delight. God is having fun. He's busy playing. And the angels are shouting for joy as they're watching this whole thing unfold. In other words, this is emanating from the throne that God is doing things out of his joy. And the appropriate response, because of what God is doing, is joy. And the angels are going flat out. Hallelujah. All right? So we can see that right at the beginning, it all started out of joy. I mean, God is so full of joy that even Psalm 2, when the nations plot and conspire and do all these things, he just sits in the heavens and he laughs. Yes? He's kind of like, oh, come on, guys. But he's so full of joy that God laughs. Yeah? We have to put the scripture in because some people think that God is so serious, you know, that it's actually a sin to laugh. No, 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 God himself laughs. All right? So there's joy in him and he laughs. Laughter is just this expression externally of what's going on on the inside, right? How can you tell if somebody's happy? Hey, that. All right. So laughter is an expression of this whole thing of joy. Okay. So Jesus was the most joy-filled person to ever walk the planet. Now, you look at the paintings from the Middle Ages, you know, everyone thinks that Jesus was baptized in lemon juice. <laughs> and he's like pale, and you know, it's just like really nerdy. <laughs> Jesus was strong. Very strong. For him to have gone through what he did leading up to the crucifixion, most men would have died before getting to the cross. That's how strong he was. Listen, I, I know that, you know, some of the translations says that he, he, he grew up as a carpenter's son. But the original word there in the Greek is tektron. He was a builder. He was a construction worker. Hmm? And he didn't just nip around the corner to build his warehouse to go and get a couple of things. He wasn't just like a handyman. He was, they would build, their construction materials in those days were big logs of wood and they would cut stone. I mean, this is hectic work. Jesus, he had guns. He was strong. All right? 
Do you remember the one time they wanted to throw him over the edge of the cliff? He just turns around and just walks straight through a whole crowd. He was, he was, you got it? Please. Those pictures of Jesus being all sort of nerdy, eradicate, just reset, press reset, backspace delete. Because it's giving you a wrong impression of who he is. All right? Likewise, he wasn't all sad, sour, somber. He wasn't the killjoy. No, he was, we're throwing a party. Who are we going to invite? Hey, that guy, Jesus. When he's around, the parties are the best parties ever. Did you hear? When they ran out of wine, he made so much. Not even the whole village could consume it. He's coming to our party. He's the life and the soul of the party. He was filled with joy. People longed to be with him. The non-religious people wanted to be with Jesus. He was so filled with life and joy, the goodness of God, right? And um, yes, he was the man of sorrows. Jesus was many, many, many things. But the man of sorrows, one aspect. Prophetically, God needed to tell the people, listen, when the king comes, the Messiah comes, He's not going to be like an earthly king. He's not going to be in a palace. He's not going to have a major Twitter account and Facebook followers and, you know, five-star hotels and first-class this and whatever. No, no. He's going to be despised, rejected. He's going to be lowly. He's going to be humble. He's going to be a man of sorrows. He's going to be these things as well. But he's also the king. All right? And he's also going to be filled with joy. So, how's this prophetically in Psalm 16, speaking of Jesus, therefore my heart is glad, glad, and my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure, for you will not leave my soul amongst the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You make known to me the path of life, you will fill me with joy. In your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Eternal pleasure, joy, happiness. This is God prophesying through the psalmist about the Messiah, Jesus. That he's going to be filled with joy. And that his body will not rot in the grave, not see decay. Third day, rise again. Prophesying about Jesus. Jesus filled with joy. Not just little tot, filled to overflowing. This is the Jesus that we serve. And Jesus came to reveal God, the great king, his kingdom, and what the kingdom is about. And so Jesus went proclaiming, teaching, about the kingdom. Hallelujah. 
and says the righteous, the, the, the kingdom of God, it's not just about religious stuff, what you eat, what you drink, how you wash your hands, these kind of rituals. That's not what the kingdom's about. He was saying, listen, if you want to be a law-based, self-righteous person, that's not the kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy, human joy, circumstantial joy. No, joy in the Holy Spirit. Wow, the Holy Spirit is into this joy thing as well. How about that? So we say we want more of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a bit of joy that's going to come with that. Aren't you glad you live in Joyburg? Yeah, because you can just like express that joy and everyone's going to think this is normal. Why? Because I live in Joyburg. Yeah, this is the normal way in which we should be. Yeah, we smile, we wave in the traffic, doesn't matter. Hey, taxi driver, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How about this? Speaking of Jesus in, in the book of Hebrews. You have loved righteousness, you've hated wickedness. Therefore, God your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Okay, remember Isaiah 61? Spirit of the Lord is on me, anointed me with oil of joy, right? When Jesus started his ministry, we see this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, 19. He quotes from that passage, says, Today it's me being fulfilled in your presence. Hebrews says, Now God did exactly what he said he would do. He anointed him with the oil of joy. More than, don't you love this um, from the New Living Translation? You love justice and you hate evil. Therefore, O oh God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Jesus was the happiest person on the planet. He had more joy than anyone else. Ever. Doesn't that just like shatter some of those crazy religious mindsets? I mean, this is Bible. I'm not making this up. This is the Bible. God is saying Jesus was so full of joy, no one came close to him. On the Richter scale of joy, whew, massive. So we see that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're always in unity and in harmony. They're in sync, they're in complete unity. If the Father laughs and he's full of joy, and Jesus is anointed, filled with joy in his presence here on the earth more than anyone else, and the Holy Spirit, who helps us to usher in the kingdom, so to speak, fills us with joy by the Spirit, can we see that there's cohesion between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on this whole aspect of joy? Yeah? We're okay with that? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the most joyful person on the planet. The Father is full of joy. Come on. He's the exact representation of the Father. He's representing Father extremely well. 
perfectly. How is this? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Hey, we're all okay with that. God is love. Hey, yeah, we can do that thing. And joy? Ah, not so sure about this. Why? Why do we doubt that joy should be something that emanates from the very nature and character of God and that when we are in Him, He causes us to reflect who He is. We're made in His image, got a bit messed up in the fall. Now we're a new creation in Christ. The Holy Spirit is working in us and causing us to display the fruit of that new life, of who God is. And so the Holy Spirit enables us to demonstrate God's character. If God is love, we love. People, mmm, mm, that tastes nice. That kind of love is more than just human love. That must be God kind of love. Mmm, tastes pretty good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Pick another bit of fruit. Ah, oh, joy. People just love to be around you. When you walk into the office, people say, now the day can start. Yeah? You go off on a business trip, you're out the office for a couple of days, you fly back in, they say, it's not the same when you're not here. Why? Because they're tasting your fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, it's the very nature of who God is that causes to grow in us and through us. That's what these fruit of the Spirit are. It's the God kind of life that's being established in us. We're growing up into the fullness of the stature of Him. This is who He is. Joy is not optional. Come on. All right. Joy causes us to be stronger. In Nehemiah, you know this passage. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Very quickly. The guys have been wayward away from God. They get the law, which is the revelation of who God is, as they had in the old covenant. And the people are there listening. And when they hear what they should have done, what they didn't do, their hearts are moved and they weep and they are kind of making a huge commotion as Middle Eastern people can. And then Nehemiah and the scribes and the teachers and whatever, Ezra and the boys, they tell the people, shut up, stop it. This is not a day for wailing and weeping and mourning. This is a day for rejoicing. In fact, go and have a feast. Eat, drink, be merry. Because God has come. The appropriate response is not weeping and wailing. The response is joy. One of the most appropriate responses when God comes and does something in our lives is joy. Yes, there are times when it's kind of like face down, worship. It's just like, whoa, 
tears of repentance, all these kinds of things. There are times when that's appropriate. But if we think that's the only response, we're missing something. And so there's a, there's a strengthening of your spiritual walk when joy is the response. Joy is going to be your strength to live appropriate to the revelation that God has come to you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What, to do your own thing? No! To live right. The whole context was we were doing our own thing, going our own way, and now we've turned and we're running towards the Lord and the response is not, <laughs> the response is, ha, 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 I found life. And I'm being strengthened to go after the God life. All right. Our circumstances are temporary. Started out, right? Scriptures encourage us to be filled with joy even when things are going badly. So, come on, we live in a real world. A lot of pain, a lot of things. But the Holy Spirit is really amazing. He said, guys, even if you're going through hard times, consider it pure joy. Because God's gonna do something even in the middle of all that stuff that's going on, circumstances, hardship, difficulty, but he's still gonna do things. God doesn't stop working when things are going badly. Sometimes it's like he works even more effectively when things are going badly because he causes a shift and a change inside of us. Yeah? Desperation is the most amazing thing to bring about change in somebody's life. So sometimes God is okay with engineering a few things, take out a few of your scaffoldings and props and all kinds of things so that you'd have nothing to rely on and it's going, whoa, God, I have to run for you. He says, right, let's work in that aspect. Peter is a similar kind of thing. So it's not just one person who lost his marbles there for a moment, just says, guys, hey, have a bit of joy when it's going badly. Peter comes again and he says from a completely different angle, he says, God is working, he's going to do some really good things, so look for the joy in all of that, right? And you'll be filled with an inexpressible joy. Load shedding. How can you be happy? Listen, I've got the light of the world. The God of all power is with me. I don't worry about Ashcom. It's okay. My circumstances might be negative, but internally, I'm linked to the God whose nature and character emanates infinite happiness and joy. Hmm? So, don't be surprised. Fiery trials, rejoice. You're going to be overjoyed. His glory is going to be revealed in you. Homework in your small groups, your community connect groups this week. Psalm 126. Just got a couple of lines from it, but the whole psalm there. You know what? You might sow with tears, but you're going to reap songs and shouts of joy. God is the God of restoration, God is the God of the turnaround. 
the bounce back, the increase, the upgrade. Might be some difficult things you're going through, but you know what? The promise is joy. The promise is joy. So joy is a vital component, aspect, ingredient of the kingdom. You want to be a kingdom believer, kingdom person? Joy is part of who you are. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Some of you seen this verse before? Seen this before? Of course. Wow. It's not just hope. It's to fill us with joy. So I just say, Lord, would you fill me? Lord, would you fill me? Thank you that you are doing the reset in my mind. So repentance is I, I change the way I think. I used to think of you as grumpy and crotchety and sad and somber and not approachable. But I repent because you've revealed who you are in your word. You're a God who laughs. That joy comes from you. You invented joy. And you give everlasting, eternal joy to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So would you just come and fill us right now? Fill, fill me. Just say, fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Touch me, Father. Thank you. Let joy, 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 joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let's pray this. As we end together, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen, amen, amen.